Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily, but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. The appropriate name for this particular podcast might be the Make Good episode, because I'm about to address a few topics I promised to address in previous episodes. The first is the Kendrick Perkins, Kevin Durant slash Draymond Green beef. And the other is what the Knicks have done and more important, what they should be expected to do this coming season. I don't really want to talk about the Perk, KD, Dre beef, actually. What I want to dive into is how it reflects the media world in which we live and what we now define as success. For some of you, perhaps my younger listeners, what I'm about to discuss may not come as any sort of revelation. You may be inclined to say, why are you telling me this? I already knew that. You mean it hasn't always been that way? For those not up on what transpired, let me give a brief synopsis. Kendrick Perkins, former NBA player, now an NBA analyst for ESPN, was very quick to suggest Team USA was not up to the task of winning a gold medal in the Tokyo Olympics. Might have been his tweet where he said, international players are taking over the game of basketball with his signature tagline, carry the hell on, after France beat Team USA in its opening game of group play. The last game Team USA would lose, by the way. Or when he said on TV, that he wasn't confident at all that Team USA could win the gold because, quote, 
and it's no disrespect, but you look at the players they have, Durant, Green, they play cute in a good way, right? They get buckets. They're not guys that are going to go down there and mix it up in the trenches, end quote. And by the way, anytime somebody says, as you well know, uh, no disrespect, probably something disrespectful is coming. And Perk does a, what I would say, a cute job of bouncing back and forth between hitting them and then complimenting them and then hitting them again. I digress. Now, some of this is a natural byproduct of who Perk was as a player. He was one to mix it up in the trenches. That was the essence of his role as an NBA player. Set screens, play defense, patrol and protect the paint. And he was good at it back when a little physicality was allowed in the NBA. And to be fair, if there was a question about Team USA, it was whether or not they could handle the talented seven footers they had to face with six foot nine Bam Adebayo and six six Draymond Green as the team's primary centers with JaVale McGee as an add-on after Kevin Love bailed because of an injured calf. Or so they say. More on that some other time. Anyway, after Team USA proved Perk wrong, KD and Draymond did a live stream on IG in which they clapped back at all the people who doubted them. Draymond specifically naming Perk for talking a lot of ish. A lot of ish. Only... Draymond didn't say ish. Draymond called Perk out again at the press conference, suggesting that as an American, he should have shown more support for Team USA. Obviously, Draymond is wrong on that count. Anyone, but especially someone in the media, is not required to show unfailing loyalty to anyone or anything in this country, much less a basketball team, even a national basketball team, if they think it's being misrepresented or underserved. Criticism is not only healthy, it's necessary for a democracy to function. But Perk was not the least bit embarrassed by being called out. Quite the opposite. He was thrilled. He tweeted, Imagine winning a gold medal for your country and the first name you utter, all caps, walking to the locker room is Kendrick Perkins, again, all caps. Wow, all caps, exclamation point. I appreciate it, fellas, and congrats on winning the gold. Carry the hell on. This was followed by another tweet. If I'm the first name that gets mentioned after a monumental moment like winning gold, I welcome it, three exclamation points. I call it like I see it, and Team USA heard me loud and clear and responded. Love or hate, I'm here. Get used to it. Congrats to Team USA and carry the hell on. And just in case anyone questioned his ability to pat the winners on the back, he also tweeted, hell yeah, three exclamation points. Shout out to Team USA men's basketball team for bringing home that gold medal. What I find interesting in all this is that Perk made no attempt to defend his earlier critique. Or saw any need to say, hey, you proved me wrong. He went straight from, I'm not sure you're up to it, to, way to go, fellas. Nor did I get the sense that Perk was in any way bothered by his earlier assessment that miscast Team USA's ability. He even had the audacity to suggest 
he was responsible for their improved performance. I do believe he was genuinely flattered by KD and Draymond making him the only critic they recognized by name. As he should be. I can assure you, his current employer, ESPN, was thrilled by the attention he received. A former player I spoke with earlier about this subject actually asked if I thought KD and Draymond did that on purpose to benefit Perk. I assured him that to my knowledge, Draymond and Perk were not boys and this wasn't a setup. But it gives you a glimpse into just what we're dealing with when it comes to sports coverage. The relationships have become so incestuous that it's not beyond the realm of imagination that KD and Draymond would make Perk a temporary villain in order to boost his Q rating and his visibility on ESPN, which he could then use to promote the greatness of KD and Draymond in future appearances. And I'm guessing you can think of at least a few people in the media that have been portrayed as having beefs with KD or someone else who have then ended up rising in the ranks and suddenly they're boys or girls with the player that they previously had a beef with. I'll leave that to you to figure out. And maybe that's the revelation about sports media today. The content of your analysis is not anywhere as important as whether people react to it. And if the subject of your work, a high-profile person, reacts to it, well, that's even better. Perk took more shots at Coach Greg Popovich than anyone, and on that front, he never backed down. But I can tell you that, contrary to what Perk alleged, Team USA didn't play system basketball, whatever the hell that means. They ran pretty standard sets, and KD in particular had all the freedom he wanted. When that freedom resulted in him only taking pull-up threes or mid-range jumpers that didn't involve anyone else, and Team USA started falling behind, especially early, then of course, Pop made sure the ball got in Drew Holiday's hands, or someone who could actually make a play. Because as good slash great as KD was, Team USA was not winning playing through him and him alone. Perk suggested at one point that KD could have put up the same numbers Luka Doncic did in a Slovenian win over Argentina. 48 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, if only Pop would allow it. Prisoner of the moment, false, false equivalence, lack of awareness when it comes to what the true strength of Team USA was over their opponents, which was depth of excellence, not individual, mistaking NBA play with international play, whatever you want to call it, that one take had it. So maybe this is the revelation. It wasn't always this way. If you said something that a subject of your work took exception to, your bosses would want to know more about why they had that reaction. They'd be looking at you and not in necessarily a pleasant way. But that's not the case now. And this is what I find a little bit strange about all this. The methods by which Perk is capturing everyone's attention are the same methods that are being used in political warfare these days. It doesn't matter how outlandish what you're saying sounds. If it draws a crowd, 
if it makes people aware of your name, well, that translates to brand recognition, which translates into votes, which translates into holding office. And then you can always go back and flip-flop on what you said or heartily congratulate the person you just shamed. The same sort of hypocrisy was displayed by Draymond. His demand for blind loyalty and labeling anyone who didn't show it as not being patriotic is straight out of the playbook of a certain former president that I assure you Draymond did not support. The danger in all this is that I suspect Perk's footprint at ESPN will grow larger as a byproduct of his commentary on Team USA and the focus it brought upon him, KD, Draymond, and ESPN. And I suspect that most of the people listening to this podcast are discerning enough that if they didn't trust Perk's commentary up until now, being more visible or embedded in the four letters won't change their perspective of him. But there is a vast population of casual basketball fans that are sure to give Perk credence simply because he's on TV on one of the biggest sports networks in the world. Happens all the time. And those people are going to take his perspective as being meaningful and insightful simply because he's on TV. And look, at times it is. And Perk brings a very unique personality to his work that I think does make him special and talented and interesting. But there are other times where all of that personality can't cover up for the fact that he's talking as teams in the NBA or people in the NBA like to say, strong and wrong. And even if he never admits it. And that means a lot of false information is going to be fed to a lot of non-discerning basketball fans. And as I see it, that's not good for anybody. Except, maybe, Perk. It just dawned on me that his catchphrase is not a catchphrase. It's a philosophy. Spit something out. Don't look back. Carry on. Spit something else out, even if it's contrary to what you just said. And carry on. More important than anything, carry the hell on. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. And so I shall to our second topic, the 2021-22 New York Knicks. Let me put this out there right now. This may be one of the greatest challenges of Tom Thibodeau's head coaching career. Yes, greater than presiding over the leading the circus in Minnesota with Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, and Carl Anthony Towns to a 47-win season and playoff appearance. Yes, greater than getting a Bulls team whose leading scorer was Luol Dang and its leading playmaker Kirk Heinrich to the second round of the playoffs. Even last year with the Knicks, 
wasn't as full of potential pitfalls as the upcoming one. And it can all be captured with one word. Expectations. The Knicks massively overachieved last year by winning 41 games and finishing as the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. Whether you want to believe that as a Knicks fan or not, it's true. But it was the perfect setup for tips. GM Scott Perry already had put together a group of tough-minded guys, the kind of guys that the Miami Heat have always sought to have, which is why Perry hired David Fisdale, a longtime assistant for the Heat. Just turned out that not enough of Eric Spolster and Pat Riley had rubbed off on him. But the players Perry assembled were perfect for Tibbs. The state of the Knicks was perfect for him, too. Desperate to prove they weren't the same old Knicks. Willing to do anything to change that perspective. Change that narrative. Tibbs did what he always does. Finds veteran players he trusts and then rides them as hard as the front office and medical staff will allow. It's no surprise that Julius Randle led the league in minutes played, or that 35-year-old Taj Gibson averaged more minutes than Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, or Kevin Knox, or that Tibbs flipped his playoff starting lineup, inserting 32-year-old Derrick Rose for 26-year-old Alfred Payton and Taj for 26-year-old Nerlens Noel. The challenge is that this roster is better than the one he had last year but it is going to take a deft hand to develop it. It's going to mean playing a deeper rotation and allowing the young talent the Knicks have acquired to develop, something Tibbs has never demonstrated he knows how to do. And it's not going to be easy, even if he's willing to do it. It's going to mean finding minutes for Toppin, even though Randall just got paid. It's going to mean working in more time for Quickly, even though Alex, Alec Burks just got paid. And it's going to mean balancing minutes between Kemba Walker and Derrick Rose in order to keep both of them healthy, even if Kemba isn't capable of playing the kind of defense most players are required to play for Tibbs in order to stay in the rotation. For those worrying about Rose being put off by the presence of Walker, don't be. Rose probably won't, won't be the starter once again, but that truly does not matter to him. Rest assured, he will be finishing games, and that does. There is no one Tibbs respects or values more than Derek, Randall included. Trust me on this. The real worry is whether or not Walker can stay healthy and productive enough to make it through the season playing starters minutes so that Tibbs doesn't look to Rose to take up the slack. The good thing is, Kemba will be as motivated as Derek was when he found himself searching for a competitive team interested in his services. The difference is that Kemba doesn't have Derek's size or strength and is just coming to grips with having to be effective with fewer touches and shots, something Rose began working on after his first stint with the Knicks, playing alongside Carmelo Anthony and Kristaps Porzingis. There's no question when you look at what Rose accomplished in his minutes, he was one of the most efficient point guards in the league. He's developed that talent. Didn't necessarily come into the league with it. Kemba still needs to develop it. Has not demonstrated it. Struggled when he had to play a more limited role in Boston. What Tibbs 
will have to resist is what he could not at various times down the stretch or during the playoffs. Getting myopic and obsessed about winning a particular game on a particular night and playing Rose far too many minutes to do it or any of his other veterans. Rose can still win games in the last five minutes against most teams in the NBA, but he can't do it if he's already played 30-plus minutes. Tibbs and Knicks fans are also going to have to accept that they may not improve on last year's winning percentage. They may not be seated as high in the playoffs. If that's the price for getting contributions from Toppin and Quickly and continuing to develop R.J. Barrett, then that's a price worth paying. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. In the next episode, I'm either going to dive into the Chicago Bulls and all that they did during the offseason, or it may be time to take a look at what we are discovering through summer league action. We generally only get to see the first couple of picks in the early games. After two or three games, they're usually shuttered. So this is the time to assess what we've seen so far. I have to say, for the most part, what I've seen has not necessarily been pretty. But we'll save that for the podcast. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.